0: and forgiveness and making it right with one another and some of us watch that video and it's a little difficult because it hits a little too close to home and yet there are others possibly here that are saying amen that's right i got people in my life who need to just forgive me because the lord said so I I think they needed to see that. They need to forgive me and just get over it and get on with it. It's ironic, though, that we say amen to the Lord because someone has to give us forgiveness, but we choose not to listen to the Lord when he says, you need to go get forgiveness. Are you with me? Yeah, we all know Jesus says you need to forgive. But it's not just that. And that's what we've been looking at in Matthew chapter 5. Look at verse 23. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Go, make it right. And part of making it right and part of reconciling is getting forgiveness as well as giving forgiveness you know we've been taking a couple weeks to talk about how to make it right by uh, when we've been wronged going through the seven a's of uh, confession from peacemaker ministries as you look at some of those that are the ones we've hit here so far about addressing everyone involved avoiding if but maybe and avoiding excuses admitting specifically what it is uh, acknowledging the hurt and accepting the consequences many expect that if we just get forgiveness then everything's going to be all right if we can just get if you just give me forgiveness then we can just go back to the way it was The way it was with that person before we were before the wrong ever happened, but there are times that both they and God do not want to go back to the way it was because that's what got us in trouble to begin with. They don't want to go back to the same way that they've been treated, that you've asked for forgiveness for over and over. And yes, we're to forgive 70 times 7, meaning infinite forgiveness, Jesus tells us we should have towards one another. That is the responsibility of the person who is to give forgiveness. But the point is, of these last three messages here, is that there is also a responsibility on those to get forgiveness. To make it right, to reconcile the relationship. And we should be doing what we can to make it right. Which means instead of saying, hey, let's just forgive me and we'll go back to the way it was, is I want to go forward to an even better and stronger relationship. In real life, hurt happens. But it's what we do afterwards that goes beyond just a simple definition of forgiveness that says out of love, you know what, I value our relationship I want to do all that I can to keep the same hurt from happening again. How can I change the relationship for the better? And the number one answer is our number six, A. And that is that we need to alter our behavior. We need to choose to change. Now, yeah, there is some who would question that right off the bat. Why do I need to change? Why do I have to do anything different? Now, there's a number of reasons you might say this, but one of them is, is they should just forgive me. They should just forgive me like God does. God accepts me for who I am. I don't have to change anything for God. And, and of course, where do we get this? We say, well, that's what the Bible says in places like John chapter 8. Turn to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verse 1. Uh, I'm not going to necessarily read each of those verses, but I want you to turn to 8. We're going to read... Uh, some of those verses that are there in john chapter eight as you start to look in verse one we see a situation where there's a woman caught in the act of adultery and they bring her out for jesus to judge to judge according to their law which requires that she be stoned to death although it begs the question doesn't it take two to commit adultery uh, you know but nonetheless here they are jesus And they're trying to somehow put Jesus in an awkward situation or to catch him, to try to make him say or do something wrong so they know what his message has been. And all this this message that he's had and how he's hung with, hung around with sinners. But Jesus, as they brought this woman out, didn't exactly stop the stoning it didn't stop them from doing it he just said whoever is without sin you can throw the first stone and as you look at the story you recognize one by one people just walked away there was no one who could throw that first stone there was no one there except jesus who was innocent There was no one there except Jesus, God himself, who could be the judge and could have ended her life right then and there, but he chose not to. And that's where we get to uh, verses 10 and 11 there in in John chapter 8. Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. If we really read what Jesus says here, we wouldn't have a problem. But unfortunately what happens is there are two extremes that, hap- that are evident in churches unfortunately today. Two extremes to to this being the example, so to speak, of what goes on. And the first extreme is that that Jesus does not say, if you go and sin no more, because he does say that, if you go and sin no more and prove over time that you're not sinning, then I will not condemn you. In other words, the way that they can come off is, if you don't get forgiveness, you don't get grace, you don't get mercy, you don't deserve any of that, until you get your act together until you get all your act together until then i will judge you and wait while i show you conditional love that will constantly be watching to see whether you're going to stay good that's the way it is in some churches so don't step out of line if you want to stay in the line to heaven and people like to say, well, all we're doing is standing up for the truth. This is the truth of God's Word. What it has to say. Instead of all this kind of preaching today about love. I know it might be a newsflash somewhere that needs to happen. In the Bible, it talk, God talks about love, grace, mercy. That's just as much truth as all the rest of the truth that I'm trying to emphasize it's all truth It's all his truth And it's all From a God who has unconditional love for us. Yes We'd like to ignore his grace his mercy The problem is it doesn't work to say You need to get your act together first. Because there is no one here that can get your act together. Maybe for a little bit, but not for long. We cannot on our own. We cannot save ourselves and somehow earn our way to heaven. We cannot stay saved. We cannot stay a Christian on our own. It is not possible without Christ through the Holy Spirit working in us changing us and helping us to be the Christian that we're supposed to be, the Christ follower. Jesus forgave her. She did not have to prove anything first. And with that clean slate came a fresh start to go and sin no more. So the question is, are we showing conditional love to those who do us wrong by withholding forgiveness until they do right enough right according to our measurement? Are you with me? You know, are there are there some people that we just like. Yeah, I'll forgive you as soon as you get it all together. As soon as you, as soon as I think like you're you're good. just because someone hurt you badly does not mean that God has now appointed you judge and jury. He is still the judge and jury. And He will be for them. There's no mistaking that. But we are not. Here's the second twisting of truth that happens with Uh, Something like this passage, and that is that we just cut off the sentence. And Jesus would say, Then neither do I condemn you. Go. We just stop the sentence there. Go. Go and, and live your life how you want. You know that you're loved. It doesn't matter what you keep doing, everything's okay. There is never condemnation, no judgment, no problem. No, 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 no. Jesus does not give her a free pass to continue to do the wrong that she was doing. She needed to choose to change, to alter her behavior. As he tells her to go and sin no more, to leave your life of sin. What is right and what is wrong does matter. There's a man that Jesus healed just earlier in John chapter 5. And the man came back to him and Jesus says, You are well again. So stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. He was healed. God worked in his life. Grace was given to him. But understand this. It was still a go and sin no more. It was stop sinning or something worse may happen to you in John chapter 5. And while it's true that God loves us the way we are, we need to grasp, like Romans 5 says, that God loves us. We say, we, we make that to be like, God loves us just the way we are. But do we realize what he says in his word about the way we are? In Romans 5 says he loves us because while, while we were yet sinners. It says in Romans 5 that he loves us as his enemies. How many of us like like take a lot of pride in that? God loves me just the way I am. I'm His enemy. Woo! Yeah, there's something to strive for, uh, you know, to just grab a hold of. It's true, but God loves us too much to leave us that way. That's not the way He wants to continue in our life. In fact, the very core of what Christianity is all about is change. And we're talking in this, uh, this step here about altering our behaviors. We're getting forgiveness, going to get forgiveness. Part of the thing is making the statement that we also not just accept what we did and, and, and admit to the, what we did and accept all this, but to alter the behavior. We say, well, I, 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 that, that doesn't sound like God just, it's, it's all about... No, the core of Christianity is change, is transformation. When we come to know Christ, Second Corinthians 5 tells us that we become new creations. The old is gone, the new has come. That is a change, a change that takes place in us, a change from a dead man walking to one with eternal life within, a change from a sinner to a saint. And it's not just that. He tells us in, in places like uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Like God is. Through the Father, Like Jesus is. And, and understanding uh, the very basic, and there's more to this, but a very basic definition of holiness is just being different. At, at a very basic level, holiness is about being different. That means we have to alter our behavior. We have to do something and be different in our lives. In fact God's goal one of God's goals for our lives in Romans 8:29 is that we would be conformed to the image of His son, conform to the image of His son. How many of us today are exactly like Jesus? I, by the way, if anybody stands up or puts their hand up, please step away from them so the lightning doesn't hit you. Um, okay? We aren't. So if his goal for our life is that we would be conformed to the image of Jesus and we're not there, to get there we have to change, right? It's change. We have to alter our behavior. If we're going to follow Jesus... After all he's done for us, in his forgiveness for us, we should want and choose to change. And it shouldn't be that much of a stretch in getting forgiveness from others that we should also change the wrong and the hurt so that it doesn't keep happening. We are forgiven and free, but we are not free to do whatever we want. Galatians chapter 5 verse 13 says you my brothers and sisters were called to be free But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh rather serve one another in love And we can't serve one another in love if we just keep doing the same wrong thing over and over and over to somebody That's not living free we should be submitted to the Lordship of Jesus as the boss of our life. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16 says this, Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. And out of love for Him, we should want to do what's right. I mean, think about this. Live, but don't use your freedom as a cover-up. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, Put off the old self which belongs to the former manner of life, the way it used to be, the old way, the way it used to be, the way you used to treat people, the way you used to treat them. Put off the old self which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through its deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Now some think because they really feel bad about what they did and what they said that that proves that they want to make it right but altering your feelings altering your feelings about what you did to someone is not altering your behavior even if you really promise to be different i'm going to really 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 i'm going to be different i've said it before Saying you're sorry, if that's all you do, saying you're sorry is often a sorry excuse for an apology. But so is feeling sorry about what you did. We need to go beyond just being really sad. Even crying about what we did to that person and what happened. And we really just, we really want to be different and we don't want it to be that way. And I'm so sad, so sorry, I hurt you. And I just, uh, uh, you know what? That loses its effectiveness after about the seventh time, let alone the 70 times seven time. All right? It, it, it just starts to lose that. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Now please understand as as I'm sharing this and I'm trying to throw this in occasionally that there are things you're saying, yeah, that's right, man. I know somebody needs to hear this. Who's here? You are. So who needs to hear it? All right? And don't forget this. Maybe you say, well, I don't need to hear, hear that because I don't have a problem with that. It's the person who's done me wrong that needs to hear this. Well then what you need to hear is Jesus saying, Forgive. Give forgiveness. Maybe what you need to hear is not get forgiveness, but give it. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9. Starting verse 9. Hopefully many of you are familiar with this. If not, I'm glad that you would turn there. And Yet now I am happy, not because you are made sorry, but because you were because your sorrow led you to repentance for you became sorrowful as god intended and so were not harmed in any way for us godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret but worldly sorrow brings death a worldly sorrow is feeling bad about getting caught worldly sorrow is having to face the consequences a worldly sorrow can be sobbing Emotionally upset because you upset the other person. Emotionally upset because you hurt that person. And you hurt your relationship. People are sorry about that. But oftentimes not sorry enough about what they actually said or did. They're just sorry for the hurt. They're sorry for the pain. They're sorry for the problems that they've caused, but not truly sorry for what they did and what they said. Because if we were truly sorry for what we did and we said, we would change. Because that's what godly sorrow is about. Real godly sorrow leads to repentance and no regret. From turning from our sin to what the Savior wants. Real godly sorrow alters our behavior. If we're truly sorry, if we really are sincerely sorry, we'll not just admit, acknowledge, accept responsibility. We will not just have a desire to be different. We will do different. We will alter our behavior. We will show the fruit of repentance in something that is tangible, that is noticeable. In our confession, in trying to reconcile a relationship, we not only will be specific in what we did and how we hurt that person, but we should also be specific in how we will change. What exactly? And we may find out sometimes in doing this, is that as we share what we're going to do differently is we'll find out that that's good that you're going to change that, but you know what? That's not really the thing that hurt me. That's not what really because we didn't talk about it. We just know they're hurt by something that we said or did. And we think we know what it is. But because we don't go to them and try to reconcile it as Matthew chapter 5 verse 23 and 24 says. We find out that there's something else. I mean not that you shouldn't change that one thing. But there's something else. There's really the issue between them. Between you and them. We'll have that desire in our confession as we talk to them how we will change. And repentance is about changing our thinking, our attitudes, our actions, even our character with God's help. Like the prodigal son, we need to come to a point where we come to our senses and turn from what we're doing and saying this is just not... I'm allowing this relationship to just be like living with the pigs. Slop. We need to turn from what we're doing and saying... And escape the trap of the devil. But, 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 pastor. I hear what you're saying. Somebody says, but. I'm not the one who needs to change. They need to change. I don't understand why I have to alter my behavior. When the other person is so much more of a problem than I am. By the way, you probably shouldn't say amen right now. In fact, I wouldn't even have a problem if it wasn't for them. There would be no problem if it weren't for them. I wouldn't have to change anything if it weren't for them. Well, the fact is, you do have a problem. Obviously, you have a problem. And you have to do something about that problem and... You can't change them We can't change other people And the fact is you've probably already tried And it hasn't worked In the way you're doing it We understand relationships are two way streets And yes One side may be four lanes One side is four lanes all the way on their side of the street. and in anything that I'm saying it doesn't excuse the major horrible things that they said or that they did to you. but nonetheless, God still expects you to take care of your one lane road on your side. You gotta alter your behavior. That maybe they have four lanes over there they got to do, but between you and God, you are going to be held accountable for your lane. And to understand that before your relationship crashed, what was it that was happening in the traffic pattern in your relationship with one another that you contributed to? It doesn't justify what they did, it doesn't give them out or an excuse. But understand that you got the road got to where it was and you were a part of that. The road got to that place where there was a crash and you were a part of getting the road there. Because you're it takes two to be in a relationship. But the problem is we become so focused on how more wrong the other person is and how they need to change that we don't look at our side of the road. Or we say, I'm not going to change until that person who has the greater problem starts making some big changes in their own life that I can see and I can be the judge of. The problem is, while we're looking at them, God's looking at us. And he's going to be the judge of us. We need to recognize that that even if we were the one who was wronged and not the one who did wrong. God still may want to alter our behavior as well. God may still want to conform us into the image of His Son in some way that God wants to do. Matthew chapter 7. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite! First, take the log out of your own eye, then you can see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, I'm sure some of us wanted to say, "Well, that may apply there," but the person, and if you knew what they did to me, they're the one with the log. You don't think somebody tried saying that to Jesus? (laughs) Jesus, what do you mean? mean?" No, he says no. You got the log. And here's the thing we need to understand This is not about recognizing that we have a log in our eye This is about removing it Read those words up there This is not just hey You need to recognize that you got a log in their splinter And keep it all in perspective here And you gotta say no What he's saying is you need to get rid of the log Before you're pointing out the other splinter Alter your behavior. Choose to change through Christ. You can change. And when you change, that changes your relationship with the other person in such a way that it's not the same. Why? Because you're not the same. And that may be the very thing that sparks the change in them. You can't change them, and you hope for change in them, and you want that, but it has to be about you you and god and his change that he does in you and the problem is what often happens in some of our relationships is we got this loop we got this circle that just keeps going around well they said this and then i said this and then they did this and i did that and then they did and then it just you know it just goes on and and what we find is somebody when they're let's take a, a married couple when they're first married there's this fight that just happens and it took them like all day you know all day they went through the whole thing but once they're married about 20 years or more then that fight that took five hours only takes five minutes boom you're just all the way around the circle boom you got it you know and we just keep going around and and we like try harder to be different try i mean we not try we try harder in our relationship and all that if we just change if we're going around in a circle with this person a bad circle a wrong circle we keep going around all we have to do is just step out of that circle change We be different when we're different now all of a sudden that whole thing has changed They may not they may try to keep going on the circle. Don't join them back stay change alter your behavior and as you alter your behavior it may eventually change i mean it may be your only chance you have that suddenly they wake up and recognize i'm no longer in this circle that we're in what's going on why are you different maybe they even notice the lord working in your life and how can god work in mine those things can happen but nothing's going to happen if you just stay in your same circle and stay the same person change be changed transformed to be like christ in this with them It is not right for us to continue to take advantage of someone that we're told to love like Jesus by accepting them to be like Jesus and forgive and continue to turn the other cheek all the time if we're not willing to turn our life around. We want them to, you hear what I'm saying? We want them to turn the other cheek about what we're doing, but we don't want to turn our life around. Now before you say amen In no way does this give an excuse To stop turning the other cheek There's No way is that changed The point of a relationship It's a two way responsibility If we're going to make it right We can't keep doing the same wrong So what are we going to do differently How are we going to alter our behavior This can involve so many different things There's some things that Maybe hard, some that are just simple. Sometimes what needs to take place is we just need to have that sense that before this goes on too far that we sit down and talk with a person and find out that many times our problem is really not our problem that we think it is. Our problem was a miscommunication. Our problem was a misunderstanding. And from that it just blew up out of proportion, out of control and what went on. But if we go back, we find out, wait a minute, that's not what you meant. That's not what you said. Now, sometimes it's hard to believe because we're. If we wait long enough, we become a little bitter and we don't want to hear, that from them. But we find out. Listen. It can be something simple. But change. The change that God wants to do is just the tip of the. It is not just the tip of the iceberg, that everyone sees. What is it that's happening in your relationships that you're. Either the wrong that you're doing or you're finding that you're being wronged. There's things that people are saying and doing to you that's not just this one person, but it's happening by a number of people in your life. Why are that many people doing that to you? Saying that. Yes, they're the ones that are wrong, but maybe there's something that needs to change in us. That needs to take place, something deeper. The whole thing we've, we've talked about with the whole root, looking at that. Sometimes some past wound in us that we never let Jesus heal. Sometimes it's a bitter root that makes us more sensitive to this whole thing. We've talked about, in the past, about we notice there are problems and we cut down those weeds on the surface that cause wrong. You have a number of people who are upset with you, and you've recognized it, but have you only recognized what's on the surface problem between you and them? I know what the problem is, you say, but do you really know what the problem is under the surface? That is something we're talking about in our Kingdom Builders class. You know, your your healing is only going to go to your level of awareness. And we are very aware of what we are aware of But we're not aware of what we're not aware of that sounds kind of a duh, but we don't get that Allow the holy spirit to show what exactly is going on here What's behind this hurting other people and and having a problem with others? Is there a deeper issue in our soul that that is just An area that god needs to deal with us Here's an example let me give you an example of all this. If somebody keeps pushing your buttons so that you go off, and then you hurt that person, either by your words, through your anger, or your actions. All right, all right. can anybody imagine that situation? Are you with me? To imagine that somebody pushes your buttons and you just. You explode, you go off, and when you do that, you hurt them. We can end up saying, when that happens, they are the problem. They made me sin. They made me do it, or they made me whatever, but basically you're saying, because if what they did was wrong, they they made me sin. Not even Satan makes us sin. Do we realize that? I mean, think about the truth of that. You know that's true. Not even Satan himself makes us sin, but this person in your life is more powerful than Satan, and they can make you sin. Come on! Right? It is our choice to react wrongly in sin. I'm not saying that what they did wasn't something to push a button and really made it, but it was your choice. James chapter 1 verse 19 says, "My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this: everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry." How are you doing with that? How's that going? Is there some altering of behavior that needs to take place? Some altering of behavior instead of but but instead we're so determined to get that other person to change, to stop pushing our buttons. But, but to think about that, that, that's one option. We say, uh, we, we think, uh, actually some people think that's the only posture. We just, that person needs to change. They need to stop pushing my buttons. Only problem with that is, for the rest of your life, you've got to get everybody in all the world to never push your buttons. What are the chances? Yeah, unless you decide I'm going to be a hermit and live in a cave. Uh, And even then, eventually you'll get ticked off at yourself. Come on, you know that's true. Think about this. That whole thing, the reality is we'd have to change everybody else in the world. Or we could take responsibility for our own reactions... That you and you alone will be judged by Jesus. Yes, as a Christian, you will be judged by Jesus. You could alter your behavior through the Holy Spirit and disconnect those buttons and stop the relationship wrongs from ever happening in the first place. And there are times that we need to understand that some of the wires that are connected to our buttons go deep inside of us. But yes, it is possible to disconnect those buttons. It is possible not just because everything is possible in Christ, but it is possible because those buttons on you that people are pushing were not a part of the new creation in Christ installed. They were something that were added later. God did not create you with buttons that make you sin. Are you with me? You can say you got them, but God didn't create those buttons that make you sin. Your life choices have built them on you. And some are some big old, that was easy buttons for somebody to just accidentally bump. It's time for us to decide to alter our behavior. And by changing us, we change our relationship when we no longer have those buttons connected. Where somebody can brush up against us and we just go off and whatever happens. We choose to change. To no longer be a slave to that And that kind of thinking and that kind of way of life that we were doing. Please note, with me saying this, this does not absolve those of you button pushers out there from your need to change. You catching that? This is not just because you shouldn't have buttons and they need to be off and we need to allow that find the healing and the wholeness of Christ in our life does not mean that the rest of you shouldn't keep your fingers from poking people in the wrong places. You know? Oh, look, a bear. I think it's dead. Give me a stick. I'll check. Right? I mean, that's kind of the way it is sometimes. I'm just going to poke the bear. Let's see if it's dead. By the way, public service announcement. Here you go. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger except bears. Bears will kill you. That's the way it is with things that are going on with people in our lives. There's somebody that has a lot of buttons and a big one, and it's easy. But you know what? There's some of us that are great button pushers. Now, obviously, we learn to be experts at that when we're children with our family, all the way up through youth, by the way. We are great at learning how to do that, deflect, uh, get all those kind of things going on. But as adults, we should not think just because we're older that we're no longer button pushers. We just have learned through childhood how to do it casually. (laughs) A little button push that goes on. Just a little something. There you go. Uh, Oh, did did I do that? You know? It's going on. I need to, 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 to stop poking the bear, so to speak, to wise up. In fact, both parties need to grow up in Christ and understand that God puts problem people in your life to help you grow up. As iron sharpens iron, Proverbs says, so one man sharpens another the person that rubs you the wrong way is God's sandpaper. And if you don't like God's sandpaper, guess what? He'll bring somebody else along that can be his file. When they are around you, and there are certain people that really seem to just you have a problem with and they have a problem with you. When they are around you, They are God's mirror to show how much you look like Jesus. Are you with me? The person you have the most problem with is God's mirror showing you how much you are like Jesus. And when we think of it that way, we got to say, I need to choose to change. I need to alter my behavior. Ultimately, conflict does not have to be a bad thing. On the contrary, God can change that into a good thing. It can be an opportunity to glorify Him. It can be an opportunity to grow when we have conflict. It is an opportunity to be refined in the furnace, to be sanctified, to be made holy in our interactions with other people. And understand this, that oftentimes these people that I'm talking about are our very family that it's difficult to get away from. God's done that on purpose. And when you work it out and make it all right, then we recognize that the temporary pain that we had in our relationship between us was good because it made us stronger. It wasn't bad and negative and we just think all about it is to recognize God made us stronger. I mean, now we're walking in the light and able to see what was that maybe we didn't see before and we're able to change as we walk in that light together. So what is the plan to make the way for things to be different next time? What is your plan that it it doesn't happen again? And obviously we say that because we really don't want it to happen But just because we don't want something, really don't want it to happen again, it's not enough. Really wanting something doesn't necessarily change that. I mean, how many of us really want to be in shape? How many of us are? So just wanting it, you know, we gotta understand sometimes we have we, we, we fool ourselves into thinking, well, I'm not I really do want this. I hear what you're saying, Pastor, I want this change really wanting it is not enough obviously or we all would be fit and healthy. I'm, I'm included. What specific goals should you be setting out? How will you know that you're making progress in changing? How will you know that you've altered your behavior? You have somebody to keep you accountable, somebody to say, listen, I know this is the area that God needs to work on me and I need to uh, submit to his Lordship and I need to seek help and different ways of doing. But can you hold me accountable? And and each week when we talk together, you just ask me this question. So did you, uh, how did you react when your buttons were pushed? How have you done with disconnecting those buttons? And it's somebody that you can trust, you can talk and can love you where you're at, but recognize, hey, speak truth to you in love as well. You gotta keep moving, keep the process, to alter our behaviors, to change at our, our core. And while and by the way, it's good to praise God for progress that you make in your life. But it's not good to go to the person that you hurt and just suddenly say, uh, Roberta's not here, but um, I think she's a nurse or something. But say, honey, I'm a changed man. You know, uh, I, I'm changed. I, You know, we go to somebody and say, I used to explode in anger like every hour. It would just be an explosion at every single hour and I'd punch a hole in a wall but I'm a changed man, I only explode every three hours now, and I haven't punched the wall in two and a half days. That's great. Praise the Lord for progress, but don't say you've changed. Don't say you've altered your behavior, because you still don't have victory there yet. Keep working towards that. Don't expect that somebody's just going to say, oh yeah, well, you're good, you're fine, now it's only every three hours. The step of altering our behavior begins with our will. It begins with our will and it ends with God's power through the Holy Spirit. We want to be different. We want whatever it is to stop. And we want our relationship to be made right and to stay right. And while we cannot guarantee perfection, and for those who are trying to forgive us, they need to understand none of us can guarantee our perfection. All of us, very easily, except by the grace of God, could be there messing up. But my decision today, my will is and my resolve is to alter my behavior. We cannot guarantee that we will change, but we can guarantee that with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength, with everything that is me, I will commit myself to Christ to have a lifestyle that is pressing forward to be transformed into his image in every way. Not a feeling that I have that I want to see happen, but that is what I will. I will do. This is who I will be through Christ whose power is in me. I will no longer be the same that I have been. I will no longer be a slave to that problem, to that uh, explosion, to whatever it is, to that reaction, to that thing that, that I've continued to cause problems between us. And if it is really our will that is engaged, then it will be something that will not just be in our heads that we've decided this and known this and not just in our hearts, but people will see it in our hands. There will be a difference. There will be action. It's a commitment not just to try harder in our own fleshly effort, but to trust more in Christ Jesus to help alter us in our behavior, in our very being. Even if some have difficult changes, you need to make, you need to understand, nothing is impossible with God. And there are people that say and have come, and for, I've been trying to deal with this for 20, 30 years. But not really. And when they really come and really, really unite themselves with the power of God, we see people changed, transformed. We see what we're saying, we want to see. As our mission statement to proclaiming freedom, healing, and life to people. That's what it's about. This whole proclaiming freedom, healing, and life is about us and our problems with one another. To find healing, life, freedom in this. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, sincerely altering our behavior may start to happen. I I, I trust it will start to happen. Even to the point that other people will notice, but there's a chance that the person, there's a chance that the person that you hurt in the past, that you have problems with, will be the last person to see the change in you. Part of that is just a part of life. Those who are closest to us, who claim that they love us the most, are the last to see the change in us. For a number of reasons, sometimes because they've just seen the old you for so long, it's hard to believe that there actually is a change to believe the less has actually happened. And that's when it's time to just, let's face it, sometimes they aren't the ones to see it because they've heard you talk about how sorry you were and about the change that was going to happen it hasn't. So it's time to stop talking and start walking. Start walking it out. And recognize that there are some people in that relationship that they may stay angry. They may still be bitter and blinded to what God is doing in you. And it can be frustrating to you, but listen, stay the course. Not only for the sake of the relationship, but for the sake of your relationship with the Lord. Stay the course. Let Him finish the good work that He's begun in you. And recognize... That that same God who has begun a good work in you and started to change you, He can change this other person. And to start believing the best for them. Even though you're not seeing it yet, that God worked in their heart, in their life, to pray God's blessing on them. We're not going to go to number seven, kinda of knew that as it started this morning. I asked the worship team to come. But just focus on this again. Like, altering our behavior today, whatever it might be. It may be today it has nothing to do with uh, a relationship difficulty or something that goes on between you and others, but some other thing. The song we're going to sing is No Longer Slaves. The song talks about being no longer slaves to fear, and there's a part of that that sometimes some of you are not forgiving others because of fear. Fear somehow that will justify them. Fear somehow that you're let go of something you've had for so long you don't know how to handle that. There's all kinds of things. But the reality is uh, there are other things that we're slaves to. So I just want to encourage you as, as you sing this, maybe instead of saying, no longer a slave to fear, I need to say, no longer a slave to sin. No longer a slave to anger. No longer a slave to bitterness. No longer a slave to control. No longer a slave to words, bad words that are coming out of my mouth, hurtful words, what, what, whatever it might be, to find that freedom, that healing, that life for you and for others in your life. Father, direct us even now, that we would not just see the mirror and walk away, knowing what we need to do and do nothing, but through your power even now, that you'd help us to alter in you move in us